study concerning the commandments of the Lord and the great commission in, that's given to us in Matthew 28, not only does he tell his church to go into all the world and preach the gospel, go ye therefore and teach all nations, and then baptizing those who have been saved. But he also said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And so what we've been doing, we've been going into the New Testament uh, Gospels, and we've been noting those passages that are in the imperative, and, uh, which are commands, and, and particularly the commands uh, from the Lord. Today, uh, we're kind of uh, hooking on to the train and finishing out last week, but uh, the passage that we looked at last week, the Lord says there in chapter 6 and verse 1, take heed, and that's the command, take heed for what? That you, do your, that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy right hand, left hand know what thy right hand doeth, and that thy alms may be secret, and that thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And so alms, particularly uh, most of the time you think of alms as being money that's given to the poor. But in a more general sense, alms has to do with religious deeds. And then he talks about prayer uh, and uh, verses, uh, beginning in verse 5, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, which would be a storeroom, not a closed closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And then he gives a, the model prayer. And then he, uh, down in verse 16, he talks about fasting. So he talks about almsgiving, he talks about prayer, and he talks about fasting. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not to, unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And so, he's uh, commenting, and, and, and this take heed this command at the very first, has to do with giving alms, with praying and fasting. Uh, there in uh, verse 1 again, uh, he said, Take heed that you do your alms before men to be seen of them, uh, to be seen. That's an interesting word. It's really uh, one 
word in the original language. And it comes from uh, a, a Greek word that is uh, theomai. And the English word that comes from that is the, the theatrical. That Christian activity can be theatrical. The people just go through the motions wanting to put on a show and to be seen. And actually, you also see in, in uh, verse, verse 2 and verse 15 and verse 16, the word hypocrite. And hypocrite is uh, the technical, what hypocrite basically means is someone who plays a part. He's, he's in a play, he's in a show, he's, he's, uh, he's performing uh, a part that's not really him. He's uh, an actor. And so the, the implication of this is that when we do religious activity, that it shouldn't just be religious activity, it should be personal communion, personal things that we do uh, for the Lord. But if you look across the board, and independent Baptists aren't, aren't uh, exempt from this, the people go through the motions. They act like Christians. And sometimes they act like Christians because they're not saved. But even some saved people act like, you know, they go through an act. And a lot of times those people have a, a big I and little U complex when actually we're all saved by grace through faith, and we're all we're sinners condemned to die. And so, so uh, we talked about that at length last week, uh, and uh, we focused on almsgiving and on prayer. But uh, there's, uh, there, when, we, when we get down there in verse 16, and it says, Moreover, when you fast, he begins to talk about fasting. I think uh, that in some ways, fasting is more abuse today than uh, playing the hypocrite. Note, note what he says here. He says, he says in that passage, in that verse, he says, he says, when ye fast, when's the last time you fasted? When you fast, it's assumed that we would. He didn't say when you think about it, but he says when you fast. And so he does talk about the negative side of it where people do it to be recognized and they want everybody to know that they're fasting. But he implies that we will fast. What is a fast? Well, the simplest definition, of course, is to go without food or drink, 
We have a, a number of personal health fasts for dietary reasons, but the context here is not for health reasons. It's for biblical and spiritual reasons. It's the absence of food in order to concentrate on spiritual problems and spiritual needs and uh, confession of sin and prayer. Uh, I think that to define fasting, uh, it might be best first that we just describe what it's not, what fasting isn't. It isn't a show. We've already, we see that here in verses 16 through 18, that we don't go about fasting so we can pat ourselves on the back. We don't go about all disheveled and, and, uh, and ha not have our hair combed and we have a long face and, and we are, you know, suffering and, and we want everybody to know that. What's wrong with you? What, how come you're looking that way? How come you're so disheveled? And, uh, well, I'm fasting this week. Well, no, that's not what we're supposed to do. That, that it's not for, uh, for show. And also, you see here, it says when you fast, but also, there, there, like, the other, like the other ones, there's a definite promise when we do fast in the proper way. That he definitely promises uh, to reward that in uh, verse 17. But, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou may appear not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. That just as he talked about prayer and giving of alms, that, they, that if we just did it in secret and only God knows, that God's going to reward thee openly. And same with fasting, that there is a reward given by God who sees us doing it in secret and rewards us openly. And so this whole thing is about religious activity that we can, we can mess it all up completely, whether it's giving, doing a religious deeds and alms or praying or fasting, when it's all to be done to draw attention to ourselves, then we, we receive our reward. Remember last week I, I pointed out to you that that word meant that this, you receive your reward and that's all you're getting. You're not going to get a little bit from people, be recognized, and a little bit from God, but you're going to receive your reward that people recognize you're doing this, but it's all you're getting. And it doesn't really amount to anything except for that recognition. And so, so, number one, fasting is not, as we're trying to define fasting by the negative side of it, fasting is not to be seen of men. Now look over in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And so, um, what it, we're talking about what fasting is it and trying to define it. it it's not uh, to be seen. 
Secondly, fasting is not a ritual. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 12, we find the Pharisees saying, I fast twice in the week and give tithes of all that I possess. And so the Pharisees had this ritual that two times in the week they had this appointed time when they fast. Fasting is not a ritual. It's not something that we put on our calendar. This is the day I fast. Fasting involves a burden of the heart. It involves the desire to uh, see something accomplished. It, it's a need that we feel that we have spiritually. And so just to say, okay, I'm going to be a good Christian and I'm going to make sure I fast every Monday, uh, then uh, that's not what fasting is. It's not original, uh, a ritual. Nowhere does the Bible require a, the practice of fasting. It's not a requirement. It's not something that we have to uh, dot that I and cross that T and make sure we take care of that. Uh, it's not even once a month or it's not even that we need to fast before we take the Lord's Supper. But it's something that's practiced when, I don't even know that word practice is used, it's something that we, have, we do when a special need arises. Um, I don't know if I want to go to this verse or not because it's going to take some explanation longer than I want to give it. Uh, we'll go over to Colossians chapter 2. And in Colossians chapter 2, religious activity is condemned uh, for the ascetic reason. That is, I'm suffering for the Lord. You know, ascetic reason is I'm doing something that I require myself to say no to myself and I'm suffering. And Colossians chapter 2 and verse 23, he says, And what shall we do, do it heartily unto the Lord? Let's see. Um, that's in chapter 3. Chapter 2 and verse 23. He talks about uh, verse 20. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments of the doctrine of men. Which things have a day a show of wisdom and will worship? That is, I'm dishing myself, touch not, taste not. It has uh, some wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, but not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. He's just saying that you can do those things, but it's not going to conquer your sinful nature. That, that, that fasting is... Uh, is not something that's going to make us better. Now, also, fasting, fasting is uh, no guarantee of answered prayer or for answered prayer. Sometimes the idea is, if I just pray and fast, then God's going to hear me. 
And if I just pray enough and fast enough, that it's going to come about. That it's going to add an extra punch in there. It's going to add an extra uh, turbo charge to my prayer. And God will hear me. As though we need to shake God and wake him up. But remember when David had sinned with Bathsheba and the baby was born and God had told him that the baby was going to die, David went and, and fasted and prayed and uh, was there on his face before the Lord. But the baby died anyway. And, the, and, the, and when he died anyway, David got up and washed himself and went back to doing his duties as a king. And the servant said, Why, what's the deal here with him? You know, while his baby's still alive, he's over there crying and weeping and calling out to God and pleading with God to spare his life. And now that it's dead, he's, he doesn't even sorrow over it. He's back into his business. And David basically was saying, you know, the Lord's will's done. And he pleaded, but what I want to point out there, just because David was praying and fasting doesn't mean that his prayer was answered. And so let's not get into this idea that, you know, if I just pray long enough and fast long enough and get serious enough, that somehow it'll guarantee an answer to my prayer. Also, uh, don't have a particular verse for this, but fasting is something that I do out of my own liberty. It's not something that the pastor requires, or or that is a It's uh, something that we should do uh, no matter what. I guess the best, best way to put that, fasting cannot be commanded. It must be out of my own heart that I feel like this is what I need to be doing. I want to, I, I, there's a lot in this verse that I don't understand and, and I probably need to read more, but I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. And I really think that I, I, I come across this the other day in doing some research, and uh, it was a guy had pointed this out. But I think Matthew chapter 9, which is very seldom used in this area of fasting, I think it gives us some real clues as to what fasting that the, is, that, what is at the core of fasting. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, Then came to him the disciples of John, led us to the Jesus, and they said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast off? Why are we fasting and the Pharisees are fasting, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? And so the marriage process is going on, and a marriage is a time of happiness. It's a time of joy. 
But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. And so as long as Jesus was there, there was no need to be mourning and fasting. There was no need for a soberness. He was there with them. When they had a need, they could go to him. When they wanted to have some sweet fellowship, they sat down and ate a meal with him. He was there. But he said when he's gone, that would be the time to fast. And I think what I gained from this is simply this. You know, when, uh, when a person is absent in, in body, as Jesus was with them in body, when a person is absent in body, especially the Lord, it ought to cause our hearts to long for him that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I believe that the chief, the chief cause of fasting is that I might draw nigh to God, that he might draw nigh to me. That I don't go, <laughs> you know, that I don't go there. I mean, just think about it, okay? I say, uh, Brother Wilson, I, wanna, I, want to, I want to take you out for lunch today. And he said, oh, good, you know, I got a strict diet, but we'd go here and eat that. And, and uh, so we go over there, and, and about halfway through the conversation, then I put it to him, you know, I need, to, I need you to do this for me. Well, how many times did that, would that happen before you feel like you're being used? We shouldn't fast just so we can put it to the Lord. We should fast so we can experience him. The Lord, I'm coming to you today because I want to enrich my life with you. I'm, I'm cutting out some things from my life today. I'm cutting out eating today because I want to focus on drawing nigh to you. That I come not for an answer to prayer, but I come that I might know you better. And I think that uh, when we approach fasting in that way, then in getting to know the Lord better, then I get to know better what I should pray for. And getting to know the Lord better, then I know better what's right and what's wrong. Our chief end should be to glorify God. Our chief end should be to know Him. But there are some very good indications that fasting is also connected to other things. But I think that if you examine those, they flow out of getting to know the Lord better. And so let's look at some of those.
Fasting involves repentance. Look in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 20. And look at verse 26. Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came into the house of God and wept and sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until even and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. What it is, it's, it's, it's repentance and a sorrow over some sin in Israel. In the book of Nehemiah, it said, Nehemiah led the people in confession. Uh, oh no, it talks about Nehemiah leading the people in confession of his sins. And the Bible says, when they assembled, they, with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Daniel prayed for his nation with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Joel said, Now therefore turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and blow the trumpet in Zion, and consecrate a fast. That they fasted for their nation. Um, our nation probably will never turn around. And uh, it might be better for us instead of complaining about who's in control in Washington, D.C. is to talk to the one who's in control of all of it with prayer and fasting. I think that fasting uh, involves repentance. Uh, overall, Fasting is accompanied with humility. Humbling of oneself. Paul said, uh, Therefore I run thus not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, Fasting is a disciplinary thing of your body. And bringing this objection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. It's a way in which uh, we say no to the flesh. Look over in uh, Psalms 35 and verse 13.
Psalm 35, 13. In verse 11, let's go back up to verse 11. David said, false witnesses did rise up. They laid to my charge things that I knew not. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, that is his enemies, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into my own bosom. When David, it's interesting there, but when David found out that his enemies were sick, he humbled himself and prayed and fasted. We already noted that David fasted for Bathsheba's baby that died. Remember when the decree was in Shushan had gone out that all the Jews and all throughout all the provinces of the Medo-Persian Empire would be destroyed. And Esther was one who could stand in the gap. And she said to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. And so it would be appropriate for when our missionary in Lebanon, Brother Noah, is facing certain problems or a need to have God really intervene, for our church as a whole. You see, uh, in this case, the fasting wasn't just a personal thing, but it was, uh, he, it was a number of people that was involved. That uh, corporate fasting is, is taught in the Bible. But if we corporate fast, then I don't get on the phone later and say and call brother lambert said boy you should, you should listen to what we did last week as a whole church we were fasting well what's that about to draw attention to ourselves and so it's always it's always to be done in a private fashion but it can be done in a corporate way even cornelius before he was saved uh, was fasting and that's interesting because Cornelius is a lost person. The Bible says that his prayers came up before God as memorial. And he was seeking. And God was drawing. And God sent Peter there. Um, in Matthew chapter 4, if you'll go with me there.
In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, Then Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And so he's fasting. And we're right on the verge of him establishing his church. If you look over in Mark chapter 3, and... Uh, Chapter 13, And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve to be with him, that he might send them forth to preach. And so prior to the Lord selecting twelve, he was in the wilderness praying. And even here on the mountain, he's praying. Now, go to Acts chapter 13. In the church context again, when it's proper to pray and fast, in Acts chapter 13. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. It's interesting to me that word, and they ministered to the Lord. It didn't say they ministered for the Lord. But they're ministering to the Lord. That their focus is upon the Lord. And all that that means, I don't know. But they're fasting. And while they're in this sober time, while they're in this time seeking God's will, wanting to know what the next step was. Now, as they ministered to the Lord, they, you know, they didn't know what they should do. And fasting. The Holy Ghost says, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Could it be that the seedbed for mission work is not in preaching on the Great Commission. It's not in your Bible Institute, per se, but it's in fasting. Trying, as we said, the main purpose is to get to know the Lord better. And as we get to know the Lord better, <laughs> As I already said, we get to know his will better. Praying and fasting. I don't have that verse here, but remember one time the disciples tried to cast out a sickness or a demon out of someone, and they were unable to. And the Lord said, this kind goes out by prayer and fasting. It's going to take more than what you got. 
and to reach our world for Christ and to send out a missionary, it's going to take more than what we have. Fasting is also in, in the time of, well, we, we use some verses there about church. For fasting is in a time of mourning. When Saul and Jonathan died in a battle against the Philistines, they took their bones and buried them. And the Bible said then they fasted seven days. And so, fasting, this kind of putting you to sleep. It's real quiet in here. How should we not fast? Well, we've already kind of looked at that. We shouldn't have long faces. We shouldn't have ashes all over our body. We shouldn't in any way make a show In fact, unless you're doing it in a corporate way, no one should ever know that you're fasting mm -hmm. except the Lord. And he who sees in secret rewards thee openly. But if you want to praise a man and say, man, that guy is a real Christian. He's been fasting for four, to four days. Well, you got your reward. But as we go back to that one verse, they fast when the bridegroom's gone. Let's get back to a personal reason for fasting that goes beyond what I want and what I need and what I perceive needs to be done. I think all that will come out in a correct order if we first fast that we might know him yeah. and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his, his suffering. But he said, instead, when you fast, go look in the mirror, <laughs> wash your face, comb your hair, get your act together, and uh, fast in secret. And the Father who sees in secret shall reward thee openly. Take heed how you give alms. I remember one time as, as a missionary just starting out and had very little money but there was another older missionary there that was struggling. And uh, I gave, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to give him some money. It was back in the 70s and money was money back then. <laughs> but I, uh, I gave him $100. I could live off $100 for uh, at least two weeks. 
And, uh, but by the time, by the time I went back to church the next Wednesday or next Sunday, uh, people were coming up to me and said, oh, that's a great deal you did, you know, giving Brother Woolbright that money. Well, it just ruined it all. <laughs> I didn't want the credit. And we ought to desire that the Lord would get the credit, mm -hmm. that uh, without him we're nothing. And so, all of this, take heed. It gets down to the question. I remember, I think I told you about one time this person come to me and they said, you know, I came to Alaska and I gave up this and I gave up this and I gave up this and I sacrificed here and sacrificed there. And in the end, he said, and in the end, the Lord dumped on me. He, uh, he didn't help me. I didn't, he didn't bless me. Well, that gets down to the bottom, bottom of why do you do what you do? And I think again, if we will fast, because I want to know him, I want to experience him. I want to come and be here just alone with you in this moment of time, denying myself this food and denying myself these things and in quietness. I think that further we go into history, the further we're going to see you and I getting away from fasting You see, people don't want a personal relationship anymore. They want to get on their cell phone and send a text message and not ever be challenged and not ever open up their heart and not ever be alone. Because here's the deal. When I fast and I go alone before the Lord, There's always going to be a wrestling match in that moment of time until I surrender. Why am I uncomfortable with prayer? Why am I uncomfortable with fasting? Because I have to sit in the presence of God. And if I don't have a surrendered heart, I'm not going to stay there very long. Okay, let's not be actors. Let's not be theatrical. The need that we all see across the board among all people is you need to be real. Just be real with me. You need to be real. And if any place we need to be real, we need to be real with God. Okay, you're dismissed.